0: Last week we began this series of messages on uh, the relationship between our faith and our work, and we're just calling it "faith at work." And a little double meaning to that series title, you know, our faith at our work, and our faith working out in the workplace. And uh, we're asking these questions: How should being a follower of Jesus impact the way that we view our work? How should being a follower of Jesus impact the way that we carry ourselves, and the way that we interact with people in the workplace. I suggested that this topic is perhaps the elephant in the church. You know, that subject that is needing to be dealt with, that that is pressing, that is of great concern, and yet is just always kind of ignored or or at least not paid much attention to. The statistics uh, bear this out. Many of us We'll spend anywhere 60, 75%, maybe even more of our lives in some form of working, whether that be as an employee, whether that be in a volunteer place, whether that be as a student or some, you know, compilation of those roles. And uh, some of the surveys that they've taken uh, tell us that less than 10% of believers would say that they've been equipped to apply their biblical faith in their workplace. And I would hope that perhaps our statistic might be a little bit higher, but not necessarily because of anything intentionally that we have ever done even around our church. So this is something that we need to address. We have largely succeeded, and to our detriment, we've largely succeeded in building this wall, really, between what we do here on Sundays and maybe on a night, another night sometime during the week, and what we do on Monday mornings and throughout the week for 40 or 50, 60 hours, maybe for some of us a week. Much of our understanding of work, as I was thinking about this, has been shaped not by the Bible, but it's been shaped by coworkers. It's been shaped by our bosses. It's been shaped by maybe some experiences that we've had or our families have had, or it's been shaped by popular culture. I was thinking about this, that songwriters have used work as an inspiration for their craft many times right throughout uh, throughout recent history in particular and I thought this might be fun so what I want you to do is I want you to take a minute give it two or three other people right around you you're only gonna get 60 seconds and I want you to come up with your top five songs related to work all right again I'm only going to give you a minute so it might be your first five songs related to work okay ready go Songs related to work. I'll give you one, nine to five. I like it. Okay, 30 seconds. four, three, two, one. All right, can, can, we, can we come up with five together as a group? Somebody give me one. Nine to five. And somebody, else, take this job and... Love it. Whistle while you work. On the road again. Taking care of business. Working for the weekend. Nice. One more My Manic Monday. Manic Monday. I've, been working on the railroad. I've been working on the railroad. Hey, isn't this amazing? It really is interesting now. All these songs, these are what help shape our understanding of work. This is what we're left to. We allow popular culture experiences to shape our view of work, and all the while neglecting or ignoring what scripture might have to say about how work is to relate, or faith relate to our work. Uh, So we want to just kind of be thinking about this. And thankfully, many of you, I don't, by talking about that, I don't mean to imply by any means that that you are not already doing this. Many of you are breaking through this wall that we have constructed between faith and work uh, in beautiful and God-glorifying ways. And thank you, thank you, thank you for being an example to the rest of us and how this can look. And we, we want to just kind of keep talking about it. Uh, the, the, the reality is that many of the rest of us maybe have, a, have never really even thought about this. Or it's been kind of a constant struggle to connect our faith with our work, and so we need to, we need to deal with it. So last week we began by simply affirming Kind of what the Bible says about work, that God Himself was a worker from the very beginning, right? He created, and then He, he created humanity in His own image. And if we're in His image, then we are also created to be workers. And, uh, and therefore, what this means is that perhaps we are never more Godlike in our activity than when we are working. What a thought. Perhaps we are never more fully human than when we are working as well. Uh, again, no matter what that work may look like, far from being what we might think of as a necessary evil or that which we have to do so that we can get to that which we want to do, work. our work is very interesting to God. He is interested in the work that you do and cares about it deeply. And so we said that in turn, our work can be, it can be a witness to to who God is in the world, our work can be even a form of worship to the Lord. I think Doug hit on some of that really beautifully in in his testimony. So today I want to just narrow the focus on the subject a little bit more and think specifically about this question of how we work. Interestingly, when, when, when we think about work, most of the time we think about questions of either what or where. You know, what am I going to do? What's my profession going to be? What's my job going to be? Uh, what am I going to get paid? <laughs> What's going to be the number at the bottom of that paycheck? Or, or where? You know Where am I going to work? Where is this job going to open up for me? Or where will this job lead to in the future? I do think that God is interested at some level in the what and the where questions. But I believe that he's much more interested in How question. Not necessarily what am I going to work at or where am I going to work, but how am I going to do the work that is before me? Whether that again be in a job, whether that be a project around the house, whether that be as, as a homemaker, whether that be as a volunteer. How am I carrying out the work that has been given to me? Now, the Apostle Paul wrote some great words to the church at Thessalonica. They were they were evidently struggling with this issue because he wrote some words to them in his first letter, 1 Thessalonians, that we read last week. And then again, some words that I want us to read this week in 2 Thessalonians that uh, I, I think are even, appear to be even more urgent in the way he was communicating uh, about this, this matter. Evidently, the, the, the Thessalonian Christians had kind of been caught up in this... Uh, this wonder about the second coming of Jesus. It's a great thing to get caught up in the wonder of. And Paul himself had proclaimed the beauty and the truth and the hope of Jesus' second coming. But the Thessalonians, most scholars think, had kind of taken his teaching and preaching about the hope of the second coming and and twisted it a little bit in, in terms of beginning to believe that since Jesus is coming back and soon, then we should just kind of basically quit what we're doing here on the earth and just wait patiently but with great anticipation for him to come, including we should just stop working our jobs. We should just give up on our trades. We should just all go camp out and wait for Jesus. Now, on, on one hand, this sounds very appropriate. Right? I mean, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. We want you to come, and we don't, want to get, we don't want to be looking the other way when you come. We want to be ready for you. But Paul was very clear in these words to the Thessalonian church that they were off the mark. So let's read them together. Stand with me. If you have your Bible, turn with me. 2 Thessalonians, be on the screen as well. Chapter 3, this brief little letter, but he gets these words in here at verse 6. You can follow along as I read At the end, I'll say, This is the word of the Lord, and you can say thanks be to God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother who is idle and does not live according to the teaching you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, We worked night and day, laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ, to settle down and earn the bread they eat. And as for you, brothers, never tire of doing what is right. It's the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be God. to God. You can have a seat. There's a lot in this passage that I find so fascinating and that should speak to us today about our work. I imagine that some of you, as I read that, were thinking, whoa, that's in the Bible? I had no idea. I had no idea the Bible spoke so directly about About work, but it's there. And again, so much here to to think about. Paul is speaking with great authority. He says it a couple of times, as you notice, in the name of Jesus Christ, he says. He's speaking with great authority about this issue of work as he commands the Christians there to stay away from the influence of those who are idle, to instead follow the example of diligence and hard work that he and his team had set for them. As intriguing as the whole passage is, and especially the part about busybodies, right? I mean, we could spend a lot of time there, but I'm just going to preach a three-word sermon on a biblical perspective on being a busybody. Ready? Don't do it. Amen. Okay, back to the regular sermon. so much there, but the, but the part that I really find fascinating that I want to camp out on for a few moments are the words there that Paul says in verse 13. The, the last verse that, uh, that we read, what I'm most interested in. Re- put it up there. Re- read this with me, would you? And, and if you can do this, I don't know if it's possible, but if you can do this, would you, would you speak with italics as well? I'm not sure what that means, but do your best. And as for you, brothers... Never tire of doing what is right. Never tire of doing what is right. You can just leave that up. Never tire of doing what is right. Never tire of doing what is right. It seems to me that if we can get this part right, And then all the other stuff that we're thinking about, the how we do our job, will begin to fall into place. Never tire of doing what is right. So you can get a promotion. No. So you can get a raise. No. So people will think well of you. No, not necessarily. So you won't get fired. Well, it's not a bad reason. But no, not ultimately. Never tire of doing what is right because as we learned from Colossians chapter 3 last week, As followers of Jesus, we are working not for men, but working for the Lord. As Christians, the boss is not the boss. The shareholders are not the boss. The customers who may always be right, they're not the boss. As Christians, the Lord is the boss. We are serving the Lord Christ. So for him, and for his glory, and for his honor, and for his fame, We never tire of doing what is right in our work. Even when it's the hard thing to do. Especially when it's the hard thing to do. Even when nobody notices or gives us any kudos for doing it. Even when we don't get paid extra for it. We never tire of doing what is right. This says something to us about our performance on the job my friends, about the very quality of work that we do. Again, whatever you may think of, when you hear me say work, whether that's your job that you'll go to tomorrow morning or this afternoon even, or that's some project or some place where you'll volunteer or some project that you're a part of, whatever work means to you, it, this is talking about our performance in that workplace, the quality of the work that we do. Now, I've only watched Undercover Boss, Maybe three or four times, maybe. Am I? Yeah, accountability. Uh, but I think that about every time that I have watched it, I've ended the show with a little moisture in my eyes. <laughs> Is anybody willing to admit that along with me? Okay. All right. So the the one that I remember in particular was uh, some airline and the uh, the boss. Well, I like this show really for two reasons. Um, Number one, I like it because of the, like the totally cheesy costumes or disguises that they give to the bosses. You know what I'm talking? These are the worst wigs ever. I mean, they just, the guy. I don't know how it works, but I like it for that. And I also like it because they're able to find these employees, and usually they're having to kind of train the CEO you know, with some job, and the CEO is typically very inept at that job. They can't do it very well. And uh, and yet they these workers just do their job with such great attitude and and effort. And it's just wonderful to see. So this one about the air, airplane, the airline, and I remember this one gal in particular that they interviewed, and she was at this smaller airport, maybe you remember this, where she was the gate agent, right? So she checked people in, and then while they were then waiting in the waiting room, she would run down and and deal with the baggage and make sure it got onto the airport, onto the airplane, and then she would help them get seated as well, and then she would grab her little orange things and she would, you know, make the the airplane get out of the gate uh, correctly. So she was just like going all over the place, a little bit scary if you're on one of those flights, but um, she seemed to be doing it very well, and then what I really loved was at the end of watching this effort, all that she did with the attitude that she did it. the the boss was just talking about with her and asking her what she liked to do in her off time, and she said, well, one of the things I like to do is, is serve the homeless in my community with my church family. And, uh, it, you know, when I heard that, it was a blessing to my heart, but in some ways, it didn't surprise me at all. It didn't surprise, and it shouldn't have surprised me at all. Because a follower of Jesus ought to be the very best worker in the place where they A follower of Jesus ought to be one who is doing the job with excellence, with high quality. Sadly, it's not always the case. Um, For other Christians, I haven't quite totally figured this out. Maybe you guys can help me a little bit. But maybe it's a twisted understanding of grace. Uh, Maybe it's an improper interpretation of what it means to be of the world. But for many Christians, we have become known as just pretty good slackers on the job. And folks who aren't willing or aren't able to keep up their end of things, and especially to do excellent work. And what makes it worse is that we justify our lack, perhaps, of effort with religious reasoning. We cloak it in spiritual language, potentially. And I just want to think, and I think most of you would agree with me, who are we kidding? Who are we working for? If we really believe that we're working for the Lord, then we can give nothing but our very best effort, all that we have. Our boss is not the person signing the checks. We answer to a higher authority. And so it just kind of struck me this. If If you don't know how to do your work the right way, and I don't know how to do your work the right way. I'm I'm fighting with all I got to figure out how to do my work the right way, right? But if you don't know how to do your work the right way as a follower of Jesus, then there's simple instructions for you. Find out. Find out how to do your work the right way, the best way, the way that is at the top of the charts. And then train yourself pull all the resources around you that you need in order to then do your work the right way never tire of doing what is right it should just be a fact that the very best teachers and the very best doctors and the very best Professional athletes and the very best mechanics and the very best engineers and the best students and the best landscapers and the best carpenters and the best business people in the world are all followers of Jesus. We may not get on national TV. We may not be able to thank our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for for the ability that we have to do our work, right? We might not get there. That doesn't stop us. We might never get noticed for it anywhere. Your boss might not notice it. Your spouse might not notice the work you're doing around the house. No, nobody might give you any credit for this. But the Lord sees. The Lord sees. Never tire of doing what is right. All for His glory. All for His honor. Now, never tiring of doing what is right will not only impact our performance, but it'll impact our ethics and it'll impact our integrity on the job as well, right? Our ethics and our integrity. Simple truth is that if we want our work to really really honor God, if we want our work to really be blessed by God, if we want the projects and the work of our hands to, to be that which God can touch and add to, then we have to do our work in a way that pleases God. We have to carry out our work in a way that aligns with the ways and the will of God in the world. We've got to do it the right way. Now, some of you hear me say that, and you say, Preacher, you have stopped preaching, and as the saying goes, you have gone to meddling. Pastor James, you do not understand my work environment. You don't understand how things work in my business. You don't understand the competition that there is in this city for the kind of thing that I do. You don't understand the the challenge that there is to do my job if I don't do these certain things. That is accepted, really, industry-wide, Pastor James. You just don't understand. Maybe you're right. Even if, I didn't, even if you said, well, you, you understand that. And those of you might say, well, Pastor Biggs, you don't understand the size of my mortgage payment. You don't understand the rent check that I have to sign every week. You don't understand the loan that I have to pay off because I filled up my gas tank this week. You don't understand the financial pressures that I am under. And you understand that, that I can't just suddenly tomorrow go and do things the right way. Because if I did, that might mean that my income would be severely diluted. You're right. I understand a little bit of that. I filled my tank up this week too. But I might say I don't completely understand. But let me just ask you a simple question about the, our integrity, about our ethics at work. A simple question. If, if you've never had any problem with this, if this is an issue for you, then praise God. It will be pretty soon. All right? Let me just ask you a simple question about our ethics and our integrity at work. We, we get so concerned. Here's the deal. We get so concerned about what we will lose if we don't do the things that we need to do, supposedly, to get by. If we don't do the things that are accepted industry-wide but aren't really acceptable maybe in the Lord's eyes. We, we, we get so concerned about what we might lose if we don't do these things. Well, the question I have for you is have we ever considered what we might lose by not doing things the way that God wants us to do them? Have we ever considered the fact that by not doing things the way that God desires us to do them, we, we, we short-circuit His ability to, his opportunity to maybe do something that we could never have imagined, never even known to ask for. But because we've taken things into our own hands, we've not allowed him to have his hand as a part of the work that we're doing. Have we ever asked ourselves about the toll that the unethical Activities that we do is taking on our souls. I mean, it may not show up in the short run. You might be able to go a week, a month, a year, a few years even, without maybe that showing up. But my belief is that over time, the blows that this kind of behavior gives to our, 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 our conscience, to our sense of self-worth, to our self-esteem, they will, be, they will ultimately be crushing to us we ask we think about all that we're going to lose have we ever asked what might we be losing by not allowing god to have his way in our work now to be honest probably none of us are batting a thousand on this one all right what i mean by that is they're probably at some level for all of us or at least a high percentage of some area some aspect of our work life in relation to ethics and integrity that we could, we could afford to clean up a little bit, right? We could afford to dot the I's and cross the T's a little, little more carefully. Maybe it's a particular strategy or technique of your company that's a little misleading. Maybe it's a timesheet or an expense report that's not quite accurate. Maybe it's, just think about this, maybe it's a way of doing your job that you know works but it isn't really right. How easily maybe that can happen for us. Well, today is a great day to clean the slate. Some of us need to come before the Lord with repentant hearts. It's a great time to tear down the wall between Sunday and Monday. Tomorrow is a chance to start in a new way, with a new day, in a way that's pleasing to God and gives him the opportunity to work in ways that you might not have ever Expect it. And it might cost you something in the short run. But I'm sure it'll pay off in the long run. Never tire of doing what is right. One last area that I just want to hit on briefly. It's just for those of us who have families especially. But really, as I thought about it, it's for any of us who might be involved in the ministry of the church a little bit or who really just, it's kind of actually for, for all of us. Um, because never tiring of doing what is right will mean that we keep a proper perspective on the balance between our work and the rest of our lives. Right, you've heard me say it last two weeks. Work, work, work. It's good. God's a worker. You're a worker. Keep working. Um, but it will, this will mean that we don't allow work to consume us. It will mean paying attention to the principle of Sabbath. All right? God was a worker, six days. What do you do that seventh day? Rested. Took a break. A long time ago we had a guy come and speak at our church retreat. If you maybe some of you remember this, he just he kind of spoke on this and he just said, six one, six one, six one, six one, six one. It's the rhythm and the flow of the universe. Six on for work, one day off for rest, recreation, renewal, rebuilding of our spirit. Six one 6, one, six one. you were made in his image, you were made to work, but not all the time. You were also made to rest and recreate and renew and invest in your spouse if you're married and your children if you have them, to invest in the life and the ministry of the church, to take a hike, to go to the beach, sleep in every once in a while. This isn't a work song, but it's one that came to my mind, time keeps on ticking, ticking, ticking into the future. You will not get these moments back, right? You will not get these moments back. So how are we using them in a way that's honoring to the Lord? Yes, work hard, but don't miss moments of rest and play. Have dinner together tonight with friends or with family and leave your cell phone somewhere else than bringing it to the table Play a game, go for a walk, go for a run. John will come and run with you. It'll be wonderful. Some of you have been on autopilot with regard to your work. Just going, going, going. No stopping, no rest, no recover. no slowing down. You've been staying ahead of the game for now, but I think you know that you've been building a bit of a house of cards, and it's only a matter of time before it comes crashing down. I heard one guy say one time that the principle of Sabbath will be played out one way or another. You can take your day of rest, or you will get it. <laughs> and it won't be as restful when it comes at that point. We got to get off of autopilot. We got to do things the right way before your spouse moves out, before your. Kids, check out before your relationship with God burns out, before your body and your mind give out, right? We got to pay attention to doing things the right way in this area as well. Never tire of doing what's right. I'm so glad that Paul said, I am an example to you. Paul was a great example. He was a hard worker in his ministry as a missionary. He's traveling all over the place just sometime for fun. Look in the back of your Bible at the missionary journeys of Paul. This guy was never sitting still. I mean, just all over the place, traveling, preaching, helping. Beyond that, he had a secular job. He was a tent maker, and he, he earned money. And he, though he said he deserved to be supported by the churches, he didn't. so They would never be able to hold anything against him. This guy was a hard-working Man, and he set an amazing example for us about doing things the right way. And I'm so glad that I have had people before me in my life, growing up in all those jobs that I listed for you last week of my resume, uh, people along the way that have set amazing examples for me, people in this very church that have shown me what it is to work and shown me what it is to rest. You've been tremendous examples for me. And, and my invitation for us today is to join with Paul. Join with these so many that we've seen in becoming a model. There are, there are children who are in children's church right now. Some of them, most of them. There are teenagers all around us right here. There are college students and, and, and some young adults and, 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 and others who need an example of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in the workplace. Someone who never tires of doing things right. Someone who works hard and puts out a great product. Someone who doesn't cut corners with their ethics, with their integrity. Some, somebody who's, who's discovered this, this dance, this balance of family and work. 6-1, 6-1, 6-1. Today's a day. Today's a day to own this for yourself, to allow God to come and be a part of your work life, to connect your faith in your work like it's never been done before. I'm going to have Jake come and sing a song for us. And as he's coming, I just want you to kind of get yourself into a posture of prayer for just a moment. And as he's singing this morning, I, I just want to ask you, would you be someone today who would say I'm recommitting myself to everything that you've just said, James. I believe wholeheartedly everything you just said, and I'm recommitting myself to that. I'm going to be part of this second reformation, putting faith back into the workplace. I'm recommitting myself to that. that There might be others of you who just say, you know what? I have absolutely never been committed to those things that you've been talking about today. I've never even thought about them. Or, yeah, I've thought about them, but not in connection with my life. Some of you, today, mark the day and say, this is the day when I decide to let my faith become a part of my work life. The day when I decide to do everything in my power to tear down that wall between Sunday and Monday and allow God to do everything within his power to seal that change within my heart and within my life. We took this front row out here this morning for two reasons so you could have more room to receive communion, and really so you could have more room if you'd like to respond to this invitation. Because what I'd like to see this morning is just as many of you as the Lord would tap on your shoulder, just come here and stand in this empty space right here. If that would be you, just say, I'm recommitting myself to everything you said this morning, James. Or I'm committing myself for a friend. My ethics have been just off the charts wrong. I need an adjustment this morning. I've been slacking at my workplace. I haven't seen the the necessity of giving myself so fully to this. Today would be a day you'd say, I'm giving myself to this fully in a new and a fresh way. As Jake sings, come and join me here. If that would be you this morning. Listen, pray, seek the Lord. And as you listen, if you'd want to respond, come and join me here. Father, forgive us for the wall that we've constructed between Sunday and Monday. Forgive us for the ways that we've uh, neglected to to make the connection between who you are and what you're doing in our lives and the hours that we spend in our workplace. Thank you, God, for those among us who got this figured out at least a little bit or setting an example for the rest of us. Jesus, today again in recognition of all that you've done, all the work that you've accomplished for us, giving of everything that you have, we're mindful that it's you that we serve. We're mindful that everything we do, no matter what hour of the day, is is for you, for your glory, for your honor, for your fame, Lord Jesus. And so we ask now that as we Stand together, committed to never tiring of doing what is right. Again, not so that we might get some acclaim or some notoriety. Not even so that we might feel good about ourselves. So that you might be honored and glorified. We pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would come around these. These who have stood and said, this is my commitment today, that your Holy Spirit would come around and infuse and empower and strengthen in ways that they've never known before. Would show yourself, Holy Spirit, to be a provider, a, a director, a guide, a friend, a help, in a time of trouble and a time of great temptation. That your Spirit, Lord, would come and fill the spirits of each one here who would make that commitment. Revealing again your amazing commitment to us. We celebrate you, God. What you're doing around the world, whether it be with water in Africa, whether it be with some of these folks who will show up at their work tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. with a new vision for what it means to be one of your people in that place. So we give you thanks. Go with us from this place, God. We stand for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.